And welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, and this podcast, as always, is brought to you by DraftKings. More from our sponsor in just a little bit. And of course, today I'm joined, as always, by my fellow hoops junkie, Mr. Andy Roth. And Andy, first of all, how are you doing? Are you doing a little bit better than the hometown New York Knicks, or at least uh, again tonight? Even though I'm post-COVID, I'm definitely doing better than the Knicks. In the short term and long term, even at my advanced age, I'm very confident I'll be doing better than the New York Knicks for a very, very long time. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that you can catch COVID through the uh, internet and through the laptop, but, you know, I got it right after you, so I'm going to blame you for getting it. You sent it to me, uh, uh, but, we're, but we're both recovering, um, whatever. It's it's uh, get vaccinated, get your booster shot, and, and take care of yourself. That's the M.O. And watch plenty of basketball. Yeah, always. I mean, that's the cure for everything. All right, um, let's start off with uh, really one of the great, honestly, la- uh, last night, Andy, and you you were the one who turned me on to it initially, and then finally I caught up with it. Really one of the best games played by a player in years, and that's Joel Embiid last night. He scored his 50 points, and 50 points, of course, is unique as is, but he scored it in 27 minutes. And I looked it up, Andy, uh, his 50 points in 27 minutes is the best uh, and almost eclipsed what Clay Thompson did, who scored 52 one time in 26 minutes. Obviously, just a great performance by Joel Embiid. Yeah, uh, he's taken to his game to another level, showing guard skills off the dribble, but even more importantly, he's become a better playmaker. He was very turnover-prone for most of his career, but now he's making plays for teammates too. And, you know, both Embiid and Jokic now very much in consideration for that Most Valuable Player Award. And obviously, Jokic last night, a 49-point triple-double, which speaks for itself. Yeah, and I know you like hearing both those names in the MVP consideration, don't you? Oh, let's just say I have some monetary reasons to be happy. (laughs) And you know what? It's funny thing about Jokic. Uh, You know, normally the conversation is the MVP has to be from, you know, a top two or three team in the conference. But to me... That's a ridiculous criteria. You can't penalize Jokic for Murray and Porter being out for basically the entire season. Giannis and the Bucks would not be a high seed if he played without Holiday and Middleton for the entire season. If Curry didn't have Wiggins and Green for an entire season, the Warriors wouldn't be near the top of the West. Well, you're right about everything you just said, and and you're jumping ahead. You know, further down on my legal pad here, I do have MVP um, talk consideration, and of course, I now Joel Embiid might listen. He might be right at the top. I don't know. Um, ultimately, yeah, there's a half a season still to go plus, so it's still to be determined. Demar Derozan is obviously still in the consideration. Steph Curry, of course, although Curry is not doing lately what he did earlier on this season. That goes without saying you got to throw John Morant into that uh, conversation also, don't you, Andy? Yeah, yeah, he's there, but I still put him a little on the outside. And and here's an interesting take in terms of Embiid and Giannis, who also is a major candidate. The Sixers right now are a half game better than Milwaukee, and the Sixers have been without Ben Simmons for the entire season. So that sort of puts in perspective how strong Embiid's season has been. Yeah, no, there's no question. Again, uh, great season, uh, MVP consideration. Uh, here comes Philly moving up the totem pole because one of the reasons is because the Bulls have started to go backwards, obviously. But um, And we'll talk about the Eastern Conference standings, which is really bunched up, and that, that's a conversation in itself. 
But I worry in the long run, as far as Embiid goes, I'm not talking about the MVP. I still see that team and, and they, you know, they got the trade ship and Ben Simmons. We'll see what happens. But that team is not loaded across the board like I thought it was going to be about two years ago. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, they're just not. Let's let's face it, without Simmons there and just having him be there lacking in high end talent. Uh, Tobias Harris hasn't really been that good this year. I mean, Harris and some of the other top teams in the league would be a number four guy. Now, I know Daryl Murray, you know, addressed the Simmons situation again. He feels maybe he has a little more urgency because of how good Embiid has been playing and he doesn't want to waste this season. And I can see that. But, you know, who knows if they'll get the kind of deal they're looking for. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. I want to talk about the trading deadline in a little bit, and obviously that's coming up in, uh, I don't know, what, three weeks or less at this juncture. Let's talk about my Chicago Bulls. And it was announced earlier today, and I'm not surprised by this, that Lonzo Ball will have knee surgery. He does have a torn meniscus. Uh, he's going to have it very quick here, and he'll be out the next probably six to eight weeks. I think that's how long the recovery is. And I know you want to ask me a question, so I'll I'll let you ask your question. <laughs> well, go ahead. Why don't you just ask yeah, me? Yeah. Well, why don't I just ask? Does yeah. this uh, change their approach to, to the trade deadline? I think it actually almost nullifies them doing anything at the trade deadline. To be honest with you, now the position itself, and we've talked about this numerous times. Lonzo Ball has played the point guard, but he's not really a point guard. Um, so they have other players. The fact that Io Desumu has been as good as he is. That really helps them overcoming Lonzo Ball. And Kobe White is now playing much, much, much better since finally getting into shape and getting over COVID and getting over his shoulder injury. Zach Levine will be back shortly. Uh, uh, Alex Caruso came back, and I love Alex Caruso, as does almost everybody. So yep. they're, they're okay at the guard position, Andy. But here's the in answering your question, and I took a long time getting there, I think it does – more than hinder them. I think it almost takes them out of trade consideration because one of the names that I mentioned at the guard position would have been the trade bait, potentially, whether it was a Kobe White. I don't think the sumo would go anywhere. So right now, even though they're lacking incredibly at the at the power forward position, they just don't really have anything to trade anymore. Even, um, let's see, Derek Jones would have been a possibility as a trade bait, and I think his salary is like $9.5 million trade exemption or something. He's injured too. So I don't really know what they can do to make any kind of trade, which is unfortunate for them. I'm curious, based on their roster, and, and, and Jones out for a while now too, so who will be playing the four for them? <laughs> Well, Alex Caruso's back. I know so last night it was Caruso. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, last, and last night, who, who was he on? I'm trying to remember who they even played. I mean, the games come, come so quick and fast. Uh, but last night they played. Uh, they played Cleveland. Okay, Cleveland is obviously one of the tallest teams in the NBA. They had him last night at different times. Matter of fact, I think he even guarded Mobley for a couple of minutes in last night's game. That you know, and we've talked about this numerous times, Andy. The Bulls' Achilles heel, and they've gotten away with it to a degree up until this point. They've been guarding the other teams four with guys who are six four, six five, and now Javante Green isn't being playing. Derek Jones has been out of the lineup. Those are the two guys who are six four, six five, six six who are guarding guys six ten. Now they're not even in the lineup. It's become a little bit of a joke lately. Well, it'll be interesting actually. If they've got a lineup out there with Levine, uh, Dasunmu, 
uh, Caruso, uh, and maybe even a Kobe White, if they go really, really small, I, I just wonder how you know, the opposition will react to that and be able to handle, you know, the mismatches that end. Because sometimes small bothers other people, just like last year when the Clippers went small against the Jazz with Gobert, uh, they wrecked Utah. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and, and well, listen, it's going to happen. It has happened, to be honest with you. You're talking about the 6-6 and under league, in essence. You know, all your players, 6-6 and under. I think in the long run, you just can't do that. You know, you can get away with it against certain teams and for so long. But in the long run, come on, it, it's a big man sport, and, and you just can't do it for very long. So I don't know how he's going to overcome this, Arturis Karnishevis. I have no idea what he's going to do. And they're not going to give up any further draft capital because they have next to none. So kudos to them. Uh, he, he still might be the executive of the year. Just the fact that Ayo DeSumo has been as great as he is as a second round pick. Um, and Billy Donovan might be coach of the year. And yet, you know what, Andy? They could bow out in the first round of the playoffs if they go against a certain kind of team. Sure. Well, even when they were healthy, we felt that way. I, I'm wondering, you know, if he'll scour the G League uh, in any way just to get uh, you know, a journeyman, big man, because I was just thinking when Vucevic goes to the bench, who, who's at the five? Well, they got Tony Bradley. And and honestly, I mean, even though he's a bigger body, he's about 6'10". Uh, and, and at times he plays fairly well defensively. Offensively, I don't know. He's, he's, he's really not much at all offensively. He's got terrible hands, terrible hands. Um, that's your backup right now. So they're lacking at that position. They're lacking for sure at the power forward position. I knew at some point Patrick Williams' injury, even though he was just a young second-year player, was going to hurt them. He might be back tail end of the regular season, underlying might. They're, they're just hurting at that position. They have all year, and I think they will the rest of the year. Okay. All right, let's move on. I think we uh, destroyed the Bulls there. Uh, talked yeah. enough about them. Let's talk about another team that we can destroy. How about the L.A. Lakers? Um, really interesting last night, Russell Westbrook benched in last night's game, of course, five for 17. And you know what, Andy, you, you, you might've convinced me that that was the wrong move on their part this season. I always thought that talent and he is a talented player. Come on. He is, but I always thought talent could play with each other. I don't care who you are, but I might be wrong. finally about that. But I still see, you know, if, if Anthony Davis comes back and healthy, if Russell Westbrook can just, I don't know, channel his talents in the right position, and you still, still got LeBron, who might also, by the way, Andy, if they ever start winning some games, he might get back in the MVP consideration because he's been that good. They still might be a team to reckon with at some point. Look, we've got to see what AD's like, but uh, as was pointed out last week in our podcast, their defense was bad even when AD was there. And as far as Westbrook, I mean, I said from the beginning, bad fit, you know, with his lack of an outside shot, his poor three-point shooting, uh, it hurts their spacing. You know, you have two guys in both LeBron and Westbrook that are not good foul shooters, which is trouble uh, down the stretch of a close playoff game. And otherwise, you know, it's not a very talented team. Uh, Trevor Ariza, to me, looks washed up, shouldn't be out on the floor. Yeah. Avery Bradley's not the same player. Um, you know, you've got a Carmelo way past his prime and defensively, you know, they can't get stops. And in this league, you know, to win a championship, you've got to be a good defensive team. And they just haven't been. Well, they made a couple of bad decisions even before the season started. And the Bulls, ironically, capitalized on both. First of all, they gave up on Alex Caruso. I don't understand that at all. 
that was a dumb move on their part. And he would have signed for less money to be in Los Angeles than he ultimately got from the Bulls. So, I mean, they need that defensively. My yeah, God, he would, have, he would be a real difference maker for them. He really 100%. would. And, you know, they also, they, they batted around the possibility of signing DeMar DeRozan. And ultimately they, they went after Russell Westbrook. So that was two bad decisions on their part that, you know, the Bulls capitalized on both. And the other part of the Westbrook deal is that, you know, if it doesn't work out, that's not a contract that you're going to be able to move at this point. So right. oh my God. They're, they're, they're really stuck in a bad situation there. Yeah. I'm just thinking about bad contracts. And, you know, eventually these bad contracts do come back, obviously, not only if, uh, from the accounting department, but they come back to kill you. Um, take a look at John Wall. Is John Wall ever going to play for anybody again? I mean, Houston's never going to be able to trade him. Yeah, I mean, that situation is very strange. Uh, and he has one more year left on the contract. I, I don't get why that situation hasn't been resolved yet. $44 million doing nothing. Nothing. And I, guess, I guess he'd rather get $44 million doing nothing than getting a buyout and doing something. <laughs> Everybody has different priorities. Me too. I'll take whatever I can get anyway. All right. Well, let's, I'm, uh, I may be asking for a buyout soon, by the way, too. I just wanted to give you a warning. <laughs> I think you're not getting paid $44 million or even $44 Well, this buyout could get me uh, a really good meal at McDonald's. Uh, if you're lucky. Um, <laughs> a kid's <laughs> meal, by the way. Um <laughs> All right, first, a word from our sponsor before we continue on. Uh, our sponsor, of course, is DraftKings, and the NFL playoffs are here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can bet, can get rather, 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wild card weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Just bet $5 and win 280 in free bets. If your team wins, that's promo code TBPN this weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I mentioned, uh, Andy, that the East is uh, really bunched up. Uh, the Bulls had lost uh, four in a row. They beat, uh, who did they beat last night? They beat Cleveland, who was surging in the opposite direction. They had won five in a row. So the Bulls have come back. Miami has gotten uh, hot. So right now, currently, as we uh, record this on Thursday night, it's the Bulls in Miami tied at the top of the Eastern Conference. The Bulls with a percentage point lead. Brooklyn a half a game back. Uh, Milwaukee is two back. Philadelphia and Cleveland two and a half back. Charlotte four back, Washington six back, Boston and Toronto six and a half back. The Knicks right now up uh, outside looking up. Atlanta, probably the biggest disappointment in my uh, estimation in the East. Indiana, Orlando, and Detroit, uh, you know, in the complete basement. So overall thoughts on the Eastern Conference. You know what? Miami hasn't gotten talked up enough. Butler has missed a huge chunk of games. Adebayo was out six weeks. And they're tied for the top spot in the East. They've had guys like Max Struess and Omer Yurtseven fill in. And, you know, 
they've played terrific ball. They haven't gotten enough props as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the overall picture for me, uh, you know, Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn are the top two teams in, in this conference. Um, when Holiday and Giannis and Middleton are healthy, uh, you know, they're tough to beat. Uh, they're hoping to get Brooke Lopez back. And, of course, with Brooklyn, it's all about Kyrie. But when they have Kyrie, Harden, and Durant on the floor, uh, they're extremely tough to beat. And it'll be just be interesting for the playoffs. And I, I'm wondering when a media person is going to ask Kyrie this one question. And I know he's got his personal choice, which is fine. But I wanted someone to ask him, how do you feel about the possibility – of only playing road playoff games, which means your team doesn't have its best chance to win a championship. I just would love to hear the response to that question. I'm shocked that, you know, he hasn't answered it. I mean, he went out of his no, way. he hasn't asked. Uh, okay, well, that's sad that no one's asked the most obvious of obvious questions. Um, he, well, first of all, he might not even answer the question. He's he's mercurial, to say the least. Well, no, he, he, he was very open the other day. In that press con- post-game press conference, he was very direct with his answers. Uh, I, I, I think he might answer it. I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's any conflict within him, within him from the personal standpoint and the professional standpoint and his relationship with his teammates. Good question, obviously. I mean, he went out of his way the other day to say, hey, I'm not going to get vaccinated no matter what. So this word, but he's true to it nonetheless. It was interesting, though. And here's something for him to consider, even though this is literally a drop in the bucket. He was fined $25,000 today for obscene language against a fan. And obviously what's going on here is that their fans are going to heckle the heck out of him, pun intended, because of his whole uh, vaccination standpoint. So he's going to have to learn to turn the other cheek because he otherwise, on a game-by-game, quarter-by-quarter basis, he's just going to get heckled like no tomorrow. Yeah, but this one was more about leaving Cleveland because it happened in Cleveland. And um, he said, you know, you're effing ungrateful. I helped get you, you know, your championship. That's what happened there. Okay. Um, he should have shut his mouth, but again, $25,000. Yep. Yep. $25,000 to him is like a happy meal at McDonald's. Yeah. To be honest with you. And by the way, you know, we mentioned the Cavaliers. I got, I have to talk about them again. Yeah. I, I know they lost last night, but this team is just super, super impressive. Uh, I think Garland's going to be a star. I tweeted out today that I think Garland eventually will be better than a guy like Damian Lillard. Uh, The combination of Allen and Mobley up front defensively has been a nightmare for teams. And even Larry Markkinen, who I didn't like as a player in Chicago, but I've noticed, you know, with him playing the three, you know, guys will try to take him off the dribble. But once he extends those arms and he's got Allen and Mobley behind him, it's, it's it's a huge defensive wall. And I think, you know, this team will be a problem in the playoffs, and I really kind of have a feeling that next year they're going to be a major, major problem in the East. You should have heard DeRozan after last night's game talk about Mobley. I mean, it's a fellow USC Trojan player, obviously, you know, one of, you know, about 10 years older than the other one, obviously, or even more. But you should have heard him gush about him saying, this guy will be a superstar, and who's, who's going to argue that? In this league, he's already incredibly strong and, and big for his age and, you know, everything else. And again, what is he? He's only 20 years old, right? Yeah, and look, I can tell you this. He has just scratched the surface offensively. Lately, I've seen him do some hesitation crossovers. Um, 
the skill level is unbelievable. The size and the length, um, you know, the, the ability to defend one through five, again, to me, future MVP, a guy that's going to put up 25 a game and dominate this league. You beat me to the punch. I was going to say a future MVP, but he's definitely, in my estimation, he hasn't had it locked up yet, obviously, but he's definitely the leading candidate for rookie of the year this season. Um, yeah, I want- yeah if he doesn't get hurt, I mean, to me, right. he is a lock. Yeah. I mean, Kate the- Cunningham could put up nice numbers on a horrible team. Uh, he does, he, he, he pales in comparison to what Mobley has been. I want to go back to Miami for a second because you talked about how they've moved up in the standings and they were without Bam and they were without Jimmy. And at times they were even without Hero at, uh, and, a, and a couple other people. Almost everybody's been without somebody in their lineup at some juncture this season. But I don't think Eric Spolstra gets the credit that he that he deserves. So he could be obviously already in the running for coach of the year. And again, half a season to go. And since there's no leading candidate for the MVP, if Jimmy stays healthy and, and gets that team to the top of the conference at the end of the season, he's in the MVP consideration. Yeah. I mean, early on, you know, I liked him as an MVP candidate, but again, you miss that chunk of games. It hurts. Like Durant basically is just about considered out of the MVP conversation because he'll miss probably about 20 games. And I think Jimmy's pretty close to that. So, you know, if you have Giannis um, and Embiid uh, and Jokic playing the majority of the games, that gives them an edge um, as far as their candidacy. Yeah, I'd say normally in normal seasons, I would 100% agree with you. But I don't think this is a normal season because a lot of the names, listen, Giannis missed, missed a bunch of games himself. And I'll bet you he misses more even because they're just going to rest them for the postseason. So I think the second half of the season, in almost every category, maybe short of rookie of the year, all these things will be determined by what goes on between now and obviously early April. It's a long ways to go. Yeah, the two most obvious categories right now, Mobley, huge lead for rookie of the year, and and Tyler Hero for sixth man. All right, let's go to the Western Conference. Um, Phoenix uh, leading Golden State by two and a half. The last I saw, and maybe the game is over by now, Phoenix was losing its game tonight. Now nah, they rallied. They, I believe they outscored them about 36-19 in the fourth, and wow. they won by eight, 109-101. Wow, wow. Nice win on the road without without Aiton. 100%. Uh, and, and Dallas was starting to play some better basketball. They've been playing, yeah, they've been playing really well. And matter of fact, defensively, they've been like a top-five team. You know, And again, if you can play high-level defense, it gives yourself a chance to win games. I mean, the key for them – come playoff time, is Porzingis has got to play like a real number two guy. Doncic needs some help. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. Um, all right, so let's look at the standings. Again, Phoenix now has a three-game lead over Golden State, although Golden State is still to play this evening, again, recording on Thursday night. Memphis, wow, impressive. I saw Memphis in the preseason, Andy. I told you that team was not going to be good at all. Jod did not play that night, um, and I looked at the rest of the roster. Maybe some of the other guys didn't play. Well, I'm doing a 180 on that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jackson has been obviously. I knew Jackson would be good. That goes without saying. But they got some young players that I did not know would be as good as they have been so far this season. Yeah, well, Desmond Bain has been excellent this year. He's really made a jump up. And Dylan Brooks was out for a long time. He's out again, a guy that can score and defend. And, you know, just a, a real good chemistry in that team. And, and Ja has taken his game to another level. His uh, three-point percentage is up 6%. And with his ability to knock down the threes, you know, that opens up his penetration game, which is, you know, beyond belief. You know, it's really interesting. I'm looking at the, the, the two conferences side by side. The top eight teams in the Eastern Conference, they're only um, 
separated by six and a half games. The top eight teams in the Western Conference, 16 and a half games difference between the top eight teams. It's really amazing. It's because Phoenix and Golden State have been so heads and tails above everybody else record-wise. That's the reason why. But you look at some of the teams further down. We mentioned Dallas. We mentioned Memphis. Utah in that equation also. Denver, I mean, still a pretty good team. But they've you know had to deal with injuries. They're 11 games out in the sixth position. Minnesota and the Lakers are tied for the last current uh, eighth position, minus the two uh, play-in teams. They're 13 games out. So the Western Conference... It's a little bit different out west, literally. Yeah, well, in the east, it's it, I, the reason I think that's bunched up is is COVID and injuries and yeah. and um, Kyrie not playing most of the season. You know, has kept that competitive. And as you said, you know, Phoenix and Golden State, you know, got off to such great starts and they've been head and shoulders above the rest. All right, so let's go to the February tenth trading deadline again, about three weeks away. And always, what you take a look at the trading deadline. You know, what teams are are long out of it, okay? Detroit is long out of it. Uh, Indiana is long out of it. Miles Turner is certainly a pickup for some team that wants size. I don't know, but the Bulls got nothing to offer, but I'd take him over Tony Bradley, at least as a backup, if not maybe in the starting lineup. Jeremy Grant is probably going to go somewhere. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Karis LeVert might go somewhere. And, of course, we, you know, we talked a little bit about Ben Simmons. Philadelphia's got to do something here with him, don't they? Uh, not according to Daryl Morey. I mean, still, you know, there are people that believe that he does not get moved. I I don't know how they come to that decision because Morey's got to know without an upgrade, they're not contending for the championship. And really, you're doing a disservice to Joel Embiid. A hundred percent. I mean, if you have a trade piece, and I'm fairly, fairly confident, never mind all this I hate to downplay it. I don't want to sound like an idiot here, but, you know, uh, he, he's got mental issues. I mean, come on. That was an excuse not to play for the Sixers, okay, more than anything else. He's healthy. I mean, you'd like to get him in your own lineup just to showcase him, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. So how can you let this guy sit on the sidelines, pay him, and not trade and get anything for him? I just don't understand. Uh, Mr. Daryl Morey is a stubborn guy, and – He's holding out and holding out and holding out. We'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting. There, are, uh, There's a name out there that, that could be dealt. Uh, Bradley Beal said he's not signing his extension. So the Wizards might have some thought. Do we get more now for Beal before this trade deadline uh, than we would in the offseason? And I'm also wondering, even though he's coming off surgery now, you know, what will the Blazers possibly do as far as a Damian Lillard? I can tell you that Anthony Simons – has had a huge, huge breakout for Portland while Lillard and both McCollum were out. And the reality is, you know, Portland's not contending for a title with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum as their top two players. No, they haven't previous, and, and, and as time goes on, that'll become less and less also. You know, Sacramento's another team that's outside looking in. You know, they finally got Bagley to play a little bit. You know, he's like in the rotation but, you know, honestly, even even doing that, Andy, he hasn't really done anything. Uh, so, I mean, does anybody want him? Is he worth trading for? I mean, I'm sure they're going to make calls. I think another player to look out for that teams would want would be a Harrison Barnes, a 3 and D guy. Okay. And, and and we talked about Jeremy Grant. I know you're a big fan of his. Uh, what, I'm what a solid team? fan. Okay, a solid fan. Yeah. I mean, 
Jeremy Grant, I mean, he could help the Bulls. There's another team that he could help, obviously. You know, he's he's pretty good size player. He could help you. Um, I think he's a fairly def- good defensive player, if I remember correctly. Certainly offensively, he's a really good player. Um, do you see it? Well, I mean, and, and Detroit, Detroit is, I mean, they're at the, literally the bottom of the standings. Yeah, Detroit's definitely going to take calls and see what the best offer is. For a team like Chicago that dealt a lot of number ones in the Vucevic trade, yeah. I don't think they have the kind of assets to acquire Jeremy Grant. It's been talked about uh, with the Lakers, but certainly, again, their GM will field a lot of calls on Jeremy Grant. Killian, I, I just want to talk about Detroit while you, we're talking about them. I mean, Killian Hayes, you know, I look, I constantly look in the box scores and he like scores four points, five points, two of 12 shooting. I mean, he, he had such supposed promise coming out of college. He was a high draft pick. There was a lot of point guards in that draft two years ago when he came out. What happened to him? Uh, from when I've watched him, it's it's a total lack of confidence. And that's sometimes builds up and builds up and builds up and and hard to overcome. Uh, that's that's a problem when, you know, a number seven overall pick, you've gotten that little production out of him. I think Cade Cunningham will be a real big time talent. So at least they scored in this draft. But Killian Hayes has a long ways to go. All right, another player that's been on the sidelines with injury. He supposedly had a setback. We're talking about New Orleans and the Pelicans. Um, when is he coming back, if at all? Uh, let me look into my crystal ball. Yeah, I'm asking my, you to do my, that. My crystal ball is broken. I don't know. I mean, between his foot and his stomach, <laughs> you know, we're not sure. We're not sure. And, stomach- and the funny thing is, they're playing better lately. Yeah, they are. Ingram, Ingram is- Ingram's been good. This rookie, yeah. Herb Jones, has been a monster on defense. He's improved offensively. Josh Hart has played well, and they kicked the Knicks' butt tonight. Not that that's saying much, but they've been playing much better lately. All right, let's finish off. Uh, the last thing we'll talk about is your hometown, New York Knicks. I asked you even beforehand, if the Knicks don't make the playoffs, is Tom Thibodeau in trouble? Um, I don't know if he's in trouble, but... Nah. But yeah, we'll talk, there's, talk about yeah, this. There's, there's been no rumblings of that. I mean, to me, the big question mark is the front office. Uh, I thought the Walker and Fournier signings were terrible. Uh, the jury is still out on Obi Toppin. They could have drafted Tyrese Halliburton. The biggest problem is they lack talent. As I tweeted out before we went on the air, they've got one of the worst starting fives in the NBA. Hmm. Robinson, Randall, Fournier, Walker, and Barrett. That's one of the weakest in the league. By the way, you talked about Sacramento and, and Halliburton. Um, I, I, I now see that De'Aaron Fox is, is possible trade bait for somebody. That Well, he was mentioned, but uh, apparently the GM the other day said, we're, you know, we're not looking to deal him. Who knows if that's true? But, you know, um, again, the, if you're a good GM, you take the calls. 100%. There's no such thing as an untouchable on a team that's outside looking up right. the playoffs. Right. And and you know what? You, you, you have to question a little – um, what Fox really is because they've been a terrible team as his, and he's been the number one player. So, you know, they haven't been very good defensively and, you know, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of pizzazz, but maybe it doesn't impact winning. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, you impact winning. I know that. Thanks. Um, have, you, have you been outside? Well, I know you haven't been outside shooting. Uh, you go get a chance to shoot inside anywhere. Well, no, but I, I did uh, before getting COVID I, I saw did you go outside. out on a nice day, 42 of 50 from the line. Not bad. 42 of 50. And you still yeah, have your you, And you know what that's called for me? 84%. An off day. 
Buff day. day. Okay. <laughs> it's worth a couple million dollars in the NBA. I'll tell you that alone. Yep. Just uh, think, I'm a better foul shooter than Luca, LeBron, and Giannis. Oh my God. Oh my God. And and you still have that half court shot too, don't you? All right. Yeah. No problem. You know, <laughs> Steph like range. <laughs> No problem. All right. Well, listen, no problem is always doing this podcast with you. Uh, we're, here. Hoping, we're hoping to line up some uh, good guests. You know, I'm going to shoot for, we'll sort of hopefully tease and preview. Um, Pete Pranica, we talk about Memphis, the Grizzlies. I'm going to try and get Pete Pranica, who does the play-by-play on their TV. He's a great guy. He's from Chicago besides everything else. But we'll try and get him on next week. All right. Sounds good. All right, Andy. Thanks. Have a good week. You too. You too.